0: The Horror
1: Podcast. Don't touch that dial. Andy Gilly and John Richards are your hosts of this weekly podcast to rate and review horror movies. Is it
0: good? Is it bad? Ah! Is it a classic? Find out now. <laughs> Welcome to the Horror Foria Podcast. It is Friday, August 7th of 2020. Episode number 72, talking about The Wicker Man from 1973, broadcasting from our It's Not the Nicolas Cage remake studios in Wausau, Wisconsin. I'm John Richards. And
1: Andy Gilley. I have... And Andy Gilley. I'll say my full name, I guess. I've never seen the remake of this movie. I did not want to sully my thoughts of this fantastic movie with uh, what I've heard is just a terrible, terrible rendition of it.
0: It is. Before you got here, I, I, I do remember seeing it, but I couldn't tell you any scenes with the exception of not the bees.
1: The bees, yeah. I don't know what that means. So uh, They put like a basket over his head and
0: okay. had bees sting him. Um, I, I remember it just being awful. And I was looking at the, uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. It's like, this one has an 89%. Oh yeah. This is a great movie. <laughs> and the remakes like a 15%. I don't doubt it.
1: I don't doubt it. I mean, it's uh, a classic, uh, one of those movies where Nicolas Cage just really blows it by his overacting from what I, from what I've heard. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some movies where his overacting is actually fun to watch. Sure. I think, um, uh,
1: the, the Mandy is is one of them. That's where he's really honed in until like the second. Half I don't of the think movie. he. I don't think he's really toned down in that movie. He is at the beginning. He's yeah, just a maybe mellow guy, movies, yeah.
0: and then like he. It, there's a ride to the reason why he goes insane in that movie. Yeah, but. right.
1: And, and I think he, I think it really fits well with that movie. So, and and I like Nick Cage. I mean, he was a, he's in some of my favorite movies like The Rock. Oh, I and, love that movie. Uh, yeah, it's a great movie. And, uh, movie. Some of the some of the ones that he's been in, I, I like him as an actor. I loved um, Vampire's Kiss. Oh, my gosh. And you want to talk about, all, like,
0: overacting? His overacting like
1: works in that, Absolutely. though. Absolutely. you know? So, I don't know. We aren't going to talk about that one, so I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on Nicholas. Um, before like we get
0: that, to news, uh, do you have anything about the movie, the movie Host no. from Shudder? No. Did you watch it? Uh-uh. Uh, it's 56 minutes. It's okay. made all via Zoom, and everybody's been talking about it. Oh, you told me to watch it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it is worth the hype. I'll okay. say, I'll say this: is that I know you like uh, Unfriended, Dark Web. I did. It took. It, it's kind of like what Blair Witch, in comparison to Paranormal Activity, did with found footage. Okay. With this computer made movie. It is so worth the
1: hype. And it's only 56 minutes, dude. I mean, yeah. it's not even a full-length movie. That's my kind of movie. Exactly right. All right. I'm sorry. Go <laughs> ahead. Horror movie news. No, that's all right. Horror movie news. Uh, so, of interest to physical media fans, we know one or two of those, right? Yes, we do. Uh, the original Halloween, one of your favorite horror movies, is coming back to theaters in fall and getting a 4K Ultra HD Steelbook release exclusive to Best Buy after that. Uh, You'll probably need to, you're probably going to need that in your collection, right? uh, Yeah, that's one of the few movies I'll actually buy Yeah. Not sure if the uh, theatrical release is going to happen, but you can go to Best Buy right now. I was just there. I wore my mask and purchased some stuff, so (laughs) you can enjoy Halloween at home. Did you get any horror movies, Andy? No, I got some cables. (laughs) That's it. But uh, I I did look at the DVDs, I guess. Uh, Lars Klevberg, who directed the Child's Play remake starring Aubrey plaza and the voice of mark hamill last year wants to do a sequel okay Uh, movie was successful a budget of about 10 million returned 44 million that's a lot better than most of my stocks uh instagram account related the following it would be amazing to pull the crew and actors back together for another one but mgm needs to get their stuff together and do it it's all there
0: from my understanding wasn't that that was like it was a one and done, right? Because they they were allowed to do just one one movie. Not no sequels or anything That's like correct. that. That's correct.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I I think so. I, I mean, I think they had to stay within certain parameters, if I remember right. I mean, I saw this. What well, was about a year ago, right? That, yeah, you, you were out. okay with the movie, I, but yeah, no, was. I I was. I I went to I went and actually saw it in the theater uh, at like ten thirty at night, and I was like one of three people there, uh, and I I didn't hate it. I mean, I'm not a real huge Child's Play fan. I haven't. Uh, I don't have a lot invested into that series or sure. anything like that, but. Um, but as far as a horror movie went, that starred a robotic doll, it was it was a. V- had what I wanted to see, and Mark Hamill was great. Aubrey Plaza was awesome in it. I, That's I, what you I said. loved her in it.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the parameters were is that it couldn't have the same storyline
1: or, or the s- same kind of kills, yeah, maybe? Yeah, and I remember he couldn't kill anyone the way he'd killed anyone else in, in, the, uh, in the series. So uh, they had to stick to things from the first movie. I think they had rights to everything in the first movie. Okay. Uh, if I remember right. Uh, and he couldn't kill anyone like he did in any of the other movies. So. I do
0: remember you doing a story
1: about that. So okay. yeah, and I do remember like the kills were a little, uh, little tame in that <laughs> movie too, but I don't know. I would I would probably uh, be interested in seeing another one, especially if Arbord Plaza was in it. Mm-hmm. New tremors movie as an official title. I think I called it Island Fury last time I talked about it. Uh, Some movies point. official title will be tremors, shrieker Island. Oh, that's the, the name of the, the, whatchamacallit? the, uh, the, the monsters, right? Yeah. There's the shrieker. Yes. That's one of the monsters. Um, course michael gross shared a photo of himself on the set a couple weeks ago when we talked about it uh at that time the working title was island fury so tremor shrieker island that's uh tremor seven if you're, <laughs> if you're counting uh have you seen the trailer to rent pal No. It's kind of going around the... uh, It's an IFC Midnight film coming out set in the 90s. Uh, I'm too young to have ever done this because I was like in high school and college where there were plenty of women to date during the 90s. By the time I was alone at work, uh, where you get sent to HR for dating people who you work with, (laughs) there was already match.com. But John Stevenson wrote and directed this movie. He's uh, mostly got cinematography credits on other movies. Uh, uh, Looks like this guy discovers a guy named uh, Andy, who is... uh, He's played by Will Wheaton. Actually. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you should never trust someone named Andy, of course. Uh, he, he fulfills his needs for companionship. Maybe he gets him get some dates with women. I think Andy's friendship comes at some kind of cost. It looks pretty interesting. People are talking a lot about it this week. We might have to check that out. Yeah. Rent a pal. Rent a pal. Check out the trailer for that. I will. All right. That's about it for uh, movie horror movie news. All right. Horror movie trivia. The magazine
0: Cinefastastique. Uh, compared this movie to another revered film that came out in 1941 what was it
1: the the magazine cine fantastic compared this to another movie when a revered when
0: first... movie that came out in 1941 it's not a horror movie
1: um i i don't know what the wicker man was called the citizen Kane of horror movies really yeah that's interesting it is kind of a masterpiece so, hey, we'll get to that, dude. <laughs> get that. Uh, Sergeant Neil Howie is sent to an island in Scotland where the villagers still practice. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the chainsaw plot. No. Edward Woodward was the main character in an action television show that I loved when I was a kid in the 80s. He played a private detective who'd help people out of bad situations. The television show was later rebooted as a movie that had a sequel already starring Denzel Washington. Name the show and the character they both played. Oh, God. Um, I don't know. I don't know. the uh, the show that robert uh, the the show that Edward Woodward was in uh, was called The Equalizer. He oh. played Robert McCall. He drove his black Jaguar and helped people that had like, uh, like, I don't know. I remember there was like somebody whose uh, daughter was uh, trapped by this evil drug dealer because it was the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he <laughs> he went in and, and took care of the whole situation. And, uh, you know, it was, it was Denzel Washington played the same played Robert McCall in the uh, in the Equalizer movie and Equalizer two recently. So, wow. Which were great movies, too. I enjoyed those as well. Can't go wrong with Denzel, though. No, he, he I you know I li- I like almost everything Denzel is in. Me too. He usually does a really great job. Awesome. Uh, he needs to be in more horror movies. He should. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd love to see that. Um, I already read half the chainsaw plot. Go ahead and, and go, well go for ahead it. Andy's chainsaw plot. Of it. Sergeant uh, Neil Howie is sent to an island in Scotland where villagers still practice an ancient and brutal religion. His 20th century Christian sensibilities are not prepared for the way people worshipped in the UK centuries ago. That's exactly right. All right. This is your spoiler alert. We're talking about The
0: Wicker Man. I've seen so many different dates with this. So I'm just going to say The Wicker Man from 1973. We're going to be talking about this movie in its entirety. Uh, if you have not seen the movie, make sure you pause the podcast. Definitely, definitely go watch this movie.
1: Then find out what we have to say about it. You've seen different dates of it? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear it happens in 1973. Isn't Correct. It? But it wasn't released in like oh, the United States until 1975. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was made the, in 1973. And it's obviously clear that the movie is happening in 1973 Correct. based on you know what the the uh, harvest queen picture and all of that kind of stuff oh yeah absolutely yeah. so all right so what are your initial
0: thoughts? and this is one of your favorites i know what oh, yeah. are your initial so, thoughts
1: first of all i'll say that i love these uh 60s and 70s cult satanic movies mm-hmm. uh blood and satan's claw devil's riot devil rides out i think i've talked about those before there's some of my favorite horror movies the wicker man is probably the best of this type mm-hmm. of movie um I'm also, <laughs> I guess I'm also, I think we, you know, have talked about this where I'm pretty tolerant of witchcraft, paganism, voodoo, that sort of thing. Uh, I guess I'm the opposite of Neil Howie in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, clash between Christianity and paganism here is not as scary to me as some people. I think a lot of people are kind of afraid of the ritual aspect of things. It's kind of creepy to them. So right. I'm just, I'm not terrified of paganism. I am, you know, basically a Christian. I'm a very bad one, but <laughs> I, I, I like like, you know, ritual communion and that sort of thing. Uh, it's more important to me in worship. So I think, if you're from a more modern church where ritual chant, that sort of thing is kind of foreign. This would be scarier. And people I've introduced to this movie many times remark about that, how, you know, the ritual part of things really scares them in this movie. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of scary. Uh, the whole, you know, like uh, the the naked dance that they the fertility dance or whatever. They some people actually find that kind of creepy, you know, and it's just it's not to me. I mean. Paganism is something I understand. If you erected like a stone hand henge and sacrificed goats on the solstices, I'd i probably respect that. It really wouldn't scare me. Right. <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, th- this this sort of depiction of ancient religion doesn't also doesn't offend me or anything, and, and I'm uh, I'm just not really afraid of that part of the movie. I, I don't know um, that this is even necessarily a very scary movie to me. Uh, but I'm deeply intrigued by this movie I think the clash between religions is really fantastically done in an intelligent way here uh, this is without a doubt one of my favorite horror movies uh, and I really do enjoy watching it with other people I like to see their reaction I like talking about this movie um, and like I like I said I will I have never seen the remake of this movie so uh, if you, I, if,
0: you know, if you have a be- few beers and you want to get a laugh and just yeah. go like
1: roll your eyes a bunch of times I'm sure that's probably what you'll get out of that movie yeah yeah um, yeah, I mean, acting is fantastic. Edward Woodward is uh, plays this square politician very or po- policeman very well. Uh, Britt Eklund, amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I loved the body doubles that got to play her during the naked scenes too, uh, <laughs> since she was like four months pregnant or something. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's great acting. Uh, obviously, we can talk about the music too. But uh, this is just an all around. It's a masterpiece of a movie. Mm-hmm um I'm the one who suggested we watch this movie mm-hmm. uh I'm glad we did
0: I complete I, I had seen it maybe one no I definitely seen it one time before but a few years back mm-hmm. you know in passing kind of have watching you ever seen
1: have you ever seen an uncensored version of this you were surprised by some of the nudity and stuff. Have you uh, seen yeah, this on TV I, or something again, like that. Because no, no seen,
0: when I had watched this, I believe it was on Netflix a few years ago. Seriously, okay. that that I was watching it in passing and not thinking about. And you missed that
1: part. It's so one of the anyway.
0: Well, no, no. <laughs> when I watched it, like to take my notes, it's like, oh yeah. my gosh, you yeah. know, wow, this is. Yeah this happened in the movie um, I've forgotten this movie was actually a musical or half of the it, musical. it
1: really is kind of a musical you're right exactly the uh, uh-huh. score written by Paul Giovanni
0: yeah and you had um, brought that up that it mm-hmm. that you know we'll talk about the music a little bit and I forgot but Andy I'm not a fan of like musicals but that didn't take me
1: out of this movie well, and I don't think it's like a musical where people break into song like uh, you know where they wouldn't the music is just is integrated into the movie in a way that's uh, you know it's not like I'm walking down the street all of a sudden I start singing and everybody on the on the street is dancing and stuff but yeah I would I would say this is really the music is very integral to the movie and definitely is uh, sets the tone of of the scenes that it's in and yeah. uh,
0: I, and I thought the music itself it, it, and again but it, it gives it a feel but you're absolutely right it's an integral part of of their of their rituals and stuff like that and, yeah you know it's a part of this it's like somebody going to church like you said being a Christian and singing a hymn because it's a part of of that You know That being there You know what I mean
1: Yeah um, definitely I mean, I mean um, it, it creates also I think a feeling Of ancientness here There's like Because it's like not it, it, it's like not really like music you listen to, uh, on like the radio and, and but, stuff, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a more ancient form of music. I think that, and they tried to make it that way. I, I, uh, like what the composer did it, here. And
0: it made me smile a little bit at parts, but then, then I'm like, you know, the, the, the scene at the, at school, it's creepy, you know, talking about, uh, being born living, uh, Making another life, dying, becoming a tree. Yeah,
1: you know? he's talking about the maypole scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, yeah it, and I think uh, you know that's the entire thing about this religion that whatever it would be paganism, uh, that they're uh, they're uh, doing here is life and death. It's really about life and death, and that and the cycle there. Mm-hmm. And the, I think they have very different thoughts about it than what you know Neil Howie's character. It, Neil Howie is, uh, I guess it'd be Edward Woodward's character, Neil Howie, very different thoughts about life and death than he does. You know, uh, they aren't in any way embarrassed about uh, the functions of life and, uh, you know, uh, sex and things like that are are not uh things that they hide uh, like the he, he's I, I don't know it's not taboo it's not taboo right those aren't taboos life death that sort of thing are not taboos like we have in uh you know a more religious society that and then I, this is a very religious society let's uh, um you know in in a, in a in a a more traditionally religious society like we have in America and the uk you know
0: yep Yeah, I uh, you said it. I think the perfect word for this was masterpiece. Um, It really is. I I think this era of of thrillers and horror movies was so carefully thought out and crafted because, you know, what we think of of horror movies nowadays. And I think it probably started at maybe the late 70s, early 80s was gore. Mm -hmm. And can you tell me the most gory scene in this movie? Can you tell me where there was a lot of blood or guts or or anything like that? I mean the goriest thing I remember about the movie was the very end and in the middle you see a dead hare. Right. A rabbit. There's that, a, that had been decomposing
1: and that's it. There's a navel cord that looks kinda like bacon and uh <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well I and it, there that's a little bit but There's a hand of glory too. That's uh might be a little uh, gory. But no, there's really no gore. And and that is different. Movies like um Blood and Saints Claw and um you know, the other ones that The Devil Rides Out things, they did kind of lean into the gore. They're very gory movies for okay. the seventies, you know. And I think a lot of these uh, hammer type films were kind of moving toward that. Mm -hmm. And uh, from what I understand, they they did try to move away from that in this movie and they, Mm -hmm. they wanted to make the scares uh not reliant on on buckets of blood and things like that well it
0: made you think about it
1: you know being a being a
0: free-thinking adult i mean it, it really did it you know it was more psychological than anything else but i mean i could say the same thing about a year later with texas chainsaw massacre again n- tell me all the nasty gore that you would ever see and you see clumps of meat on the table uh you know franklin gets jacked up by a Chainsaw, but that's yeah, it's, a little it's bit of blood squirt. That's it. Right, but that's I mean, I, I thought there was like, especially this era. It just, it seems like there was, they, they took care of it and they allowed
1: the story and the acting to rule the movie. No, I agree. And Hey, I am a fan of gore. I like gore. So I like I. seeing I mean, that's blood. What makes I like see wonderful. I horror. do too. And I have nothing against that, but um, there is something to be said about, You know, deriving it's it's not like you and I are not going to be scared by gore. No, you know, I like sure. I like to see it and and it can be effective in in present in making things a little more shocking. Mm -hmm. But if it's there just for the shock value and, and there isn't anything behind it. Um, it, it really isn't that effective, and it's, it's like a really gory movie is not going to. I'm going to enjoy it probably, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not going to scare me. Uh, Dead Alive, for instance, not oh, yeah. a scary movie. That's it's no that gory as, as hell. It's the goriest movie I can think of offhand. Yeah, for but, sure, you know, but uh, not a scary movie. It's enjoyable, mm-hmm. um, and then that that's when they lean more into the humor rather than the right, story or right, the acting, right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think they. They did do a good job. This this is an effective, very effective, and it is, for a lot of people, a very scary movie without ha- relying on any kind of gore at all. Well, I understand why it's very highly revered and, and why people put it on,
0: you know, a top 10 list. I, I completely forgot about this movie, and I would have to rethink, you know, moving some movies around because of the enjoyment I got out of watching it all mm-hmm. the way through and just kind of really... Honing in on the story, and I—I I, God, I got so much enjoyment out of it. Um, but yeah, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this one. I mean, again. What are we going to add to the movie that they, that's going to be spectacular? Absolutely nothing, because all right. that's already been talked about enough. Talked about, but right. we're going to give our opinion about it. The movie starts off with a uh, title card. It says something to the extent of Lord Summerisle and people gave insight to religious practices and generous cooperation in making this film. So my initial thought was, wow, is this the first like documentary style movie or found footage maybe because some of the way it was shot kind of felt that it's
1: way got, it maybe feels a little like that yeah now that you mention it and when you put it in that context um it maybe has a little bit of that feel to it and you know i, I like that late 60s early 70s kind of grain that uh they have on footage and stuff too like uh or on on the film you know mm-hmm. that that uh i don't know if it comes from maybe filming it and i, I don't know what the technical parts of the, making this movie i don't know if it comes from filming like on a uh, more like 16 millimeter instead of 32 or, or or what that look really is but it's got like a older 70s look to it you know that uh um yeah you know, I can't, I can't put my finger on it, and I'm not technical enough in making movies to really describe what uh, what I'm talking about here, but the late 60s and early 70s have a much different look than, like, you got even in the 80s. Yeah. I think they moved to a different processing or something like that, or maybe they used... Maybe tighter kind of shots. I mean, to me, the, there was a lot of, like, cinematography that was
0: that was panned out and i god the cinematography was gorgeous.
1: Yeah it was. And especially in the beginning here within this flying scene, um you know Neil Howie's a pilot of course they're always stiff and uh <laughs> you know, like rural followers, right? Yeah. So
0: <laughs> Well he he said himself he's a puritan or he's a puritan like right. like the most um religious of the religious.
1: Yeah, i guess. So he actually called himself a puritan. Yeah. Okay. So that must be what his actual religion was. I, I didn't want to say that cuz i wasn't totally sure but uh yeah i mean he is he's a puritan for sure Mm um i don't know scottish geography well that well but there are some really beautiful uh you know, landscape scenes in this first first was, shot. I
0: didn't realize it was that mountainous, but it looked really nice—rolling yeah. hills and the greenery. I guess this was filmed in October
1: or November, so. Yeah, it was filmed in a bunch of different locations in Scotland, from what I understand. I, they have palm trees there. I didn't. I didn't. I'm know that. sure
0: they brought those up because basically it was set up like a, a paradise or it something. It was supposed like to
1: be like an a British island somewhere. I, I don't yeah. really know. I never really figured out where this was actually supposed to have taken place. Obviously, it was an island, and I know there's a lot of islands off of Scotland, but are there islands that are that warm that they can have palm trees? As far as the geography, I have no idea, because yeah. I've never been there. But I, I did notice the palm trees, like palm trees you'd see in Florida. Mm-hmm. With yeah, the small definitely. fronds and stuff. Right. And, and I didn't see, and it's got it. it must be. I mean, people from Scotland are listening to us probably think we're idiots. It's like... Uh, Please write in. Saying that you don't know in in the Carolinas that there's palm trees or something, but uh, you know there there I did not realize that in Scottish Scotland they had those kind of trees. So in in some of the geography was just really really beautiful and interesting. It
0: was. I, I love the cinematography that for that. If somebody in Scotland's listening, uh, you can answer Andy. Andy loves Gore at hotmail.com dot Just
1: kidding. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um yeah, hmm. cinematography You people. can actually write to us at horrorforia@gmail.com. Okay, horrorforia@gmail.com. Gmail.com. Geography there and uh, we go. not understanding what trees they have in Scotland, but yeah. please let us know. <laughs> um
0: so so he um Sergeant Howie is going to this village uh because he had gotten a letter in the mail specifically asking for him to look for this missing girl, Rowan Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um so the, the village people are like, oh, this is private property. You need to ask low lordship. He's like, well, I'm a police officer. I thought a really funny scene was he's like, I need a dinghy. Yes. Bring me a dinghy.
1: <laughs> right. That's pretty funny. That, that was funny. They, and they didn't really care. They didn't want him coming there. Uh, so, yeah, he basically comes here because someone's addressed a letter to him about a missing child. He's come to investigate it. And nobody seems to know anything about her when he, when he's, he's got a picture. First, of her. Yeah. They're like, and Oh no, we don't know. We yeah, don't know. No idea who he's talking about. Um, he ends up at an inn. This is a, in, this is like the first scene where there's kind of this clash between his beliefs and the people on the islands believe, um, They sing this uh, pretty body song called The Landlord's Daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not impressed at all. There's another scene that has... Now, everybody is singing in this, but again, it's a bar. Everybody's kind of drunk and having a good time. It's not like just... This, you know, it's not like a traditional musical where everybody breaks into song and it's unrealistic, you know. I,
0: I, I just made a note on the trope that they use of when the stranger walks into the bar, everybody gets quiet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he walks in and then it's like crickets.
1: <laughs> the uh, the landlord's daughter is a pretty great song, though. I, I enjoyed that one. Oh, is that the one she's singing where she's naked? No, no, no. The The song that they're singing in the tavern. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah, And she comes walking out. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, uh, her best part is the part between her left toe and her right toe or whatever. (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he's at this inn and he's watching him sing this song. He's not impressed. He slams this ashtray down on the uh, on the table to make them stop. (laughs) Yeah, because he's like, I'm here on official police business. He's just not obviously not a. Fun guy, no. He's not uh, impressed with these uh, people who are, you know, enjoying life and uh, and having a good time in this tavern called the Green Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's it, you know I, I liked this scene because it does show the you know clash between him and their beliefs and his beliefs. You know they How'd they're pick enjoying that up li- there uh, they're they're yeah. enjoying life. He is not a he is a Puritan who. Um, you know, light, life on earth here is not to be enjoyed. It's a stoic, uh, it's, it's a, a trial to face until you make it to heaven, you know, and that's where paradise is. And these people are enjoying life.
0: That's, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. I just, I picked up because it was nighttime, you know, these people are fishermen mm-hmm. and, and they're doing their job. They go to the local bar, they have a few drinks, they sing some, you know, Scottish folklore songs or folk songs and just having a good time. So I guess I really didn't pick up on that. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is the... I mean, this that's what this entire movie is about, is the clash between, you know, his very strict Christianity and their ancient religion, you yeah. know, um, and the differences between them and, and how, you know, he's come to this island where he's an outsider and he's, you know, trying to impose his uh, values on them. Um, yeah. And you know, which, which traditionally happened, uh, you know, with, uh, with Britain's, um, you know, imperialism, they did that. Yeah. They went to uh foreign lands and they, they imposed their will and their, their values on everybody, you know? That's interesting. Uh, so yeah. he's, he's doing this and this scene is kind of the first, you know, the first, uh, I think he intends this to go one way. He has the authority of His king, right? He's a police officer with the authority of the king Mm to, uh, to, and they don't care because they have their own king Mm -hmm. and they have their own beliefs and they have their own, you know, uh, uh, values that don't mesh with his. So, He is. This is a very difficult foreign thing for him because he's used to people doing what he says, and he's got you know the authority of the king, and he's got that behind him, and he is used to having people obey and uh and do what he says. And these people don't have any of it. Yeah, that's true. It, because they were just like poo pooed him after he made it. I'm here on official police business. I'm well, looking for Rowan. Right, and he's also here looking for a missing child. And what? Sure. And I'm sure this is a uh, very serious thing to him he's he's um this is a thing that he's uh that he he takes very seriously a child is you know of be, perhaps being victimized or has already been murdered someone needs to pay for this and this is and these people aren't taking it seriously at all they're acting like they don't even know who she is right you know? which to me is just you know it's it's a part of who they were is that they're lying
0: to this guy and it's like like okay i get what you're saying as far as he's, he's I don't the think they're lying to they,
1: they aren't lying to him though they're because so? no cuz he's he's saying uh have you seen this girl or whatever and they're saying no they haven't seen this girl and, and and he's saying, "Is she dead? She's not." So they aren't telling him that you know she's not dead. But they end up telling her, telling him that. I mean, they, well, they, eventually he asks the right questions. He asks the right questions to the school teacher who tells him. You know, but but they aren't they aren't really lying to him, though. They're they're they haven't seen her because I don't know where she is. She's in a cave or whatever. I'm not sure what they're doing with her during well, they this tell, time, but they say that later. I mean, right. like when he first gets there. Right. But she, they're not lying to him. I don't think okay. I, I don't get that. I don't get that part of it. I don't see that they're lying to him. They're they're telling him the truth, but it's uh, they aren't uh, being forthcoming to him at all. That's okay, but sure. you,
0: you don't think at the very beginning because you're right. I think they kind of skirt around the truth, and eventually, I when they first when he first gets there, he's saying, "Have you seen this girl? Right. I don't know who she is." Yeah, what do you mean you don't know who she? She's like you guys are in a tight knit community that you should know everybody here. They're not. I don't think it's it was one of those things where it's like, well, no, I mean, this is such a big town that I, you know, I don't know. I I don't
1: I don't have a great answer for that, but I don't I don't know that they're necessarily lying to him. What they're doing is, uh, again, he's he's asking questions that uh, that they're. Just not answering forthcoming. I, I agree with that. I think yeah. they flat out
0: lie to him, but I think they eventually get to that because they're kind of it's unraveling what's really going on here, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, he does see a bunch of people having sex on well, the Well, yeah. Uh, he
1: goes outside after he stops this uh, landlord's daughter song, and there's uh, people copulating on the lawn. There's a. He goes because he goes to the. Uh, cemetery, I think, right? Or while well, he walks by it, I mm-hmm. think. He's not investigating at this point, but a nude woman is like embracing a grave. So then he ang- angrily <laughs> like yeah, and then he angrily goes up to study his bible and pray. <laughs> and this is a really good scene too. I loved this scene because they show a montage of him like speaking in church and taking communion. And I like this because he's talking about death and rebirth in his His religion, Mm -hmm. you know, he's talking about like the resurrection and the death and on life and rebirth. So he's it shows like what he thinks about life and death here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, which is the whole thing the villagers are talking about throughout the movie. And he's also it also shows him taking communion, which is ritual in his in his religion. That's right. So I really like that scene because it's kind of a contrast of his belief of life and death. Uh, to the life and death of uh, what la- the villagers think of life and death, Correct. you know. Uh, so I really liked that montage that it showed, and it was, I thought it was really that's, well done.
0: And that's what showed me, I, and that's the part that kind of showed me, you know, there, there, there's two different ends of this spectrum of, you know, this religion or, or, or this belief system. Um, and then Willow starts singing a
1: song. Right. This is a great scene with Britt Eklund. Yeah. Uh, so, Well, it's not her singing the song, but uh, it's—I forget who who actually sang sang the song. But whatever, it's—it's a very seductive song. She's totally devoid of any of the puritanical beliefs he has, and he is being tempted here. It's not like he, you know, can use his religion to just say, "Oh, I don't want any of this." He wants it. I mean, he's—he opens the door, slams it shut. Puts his hands up against the wall. He's sweating. He's
0: sweating profusely, <laughs> just trying to resist the temptation, right? of Of this siren. I mean, right. that, that w-
1: what would be like the lore of a siren? Exactly. With, you know, with her love song, and she's naked, and it's 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 a haunting song. It's it a is. great song. Yeah. I mean, it's a great song again that uh, really sets the mood for the uh, for the scene. There's uh, there's a lot of great nudity that I really enjoyed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And it is a body double. Britt Eklund was... Uh, was well, she filmed, filmed, from, filmed from... Yeah, the, they, the, right. the chest
0: up because she was four months pregnant. Right. They do have this <laughs> dance scene where it was a body double just because
1: right. she was right. four months pregnant at the time. Right. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a great scene and it really illustrates like the temptation that he's that he's that he is a man he's not like infallible here oh correct and that he is uh he's able to be seduced by the uh things going on in this island and it it really bothers him you know Mm -hmm. it's 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 enraging to him that uh that he that he's being tempted like this
0: well yeah to me like before that scene when he does go outside seeing people copulating on the on the lawn um you know he's very disgusted by that and he sees a woman grieving at a grave naked he's disgusted by that but then the siren sings her song and he is very um Tempted by it. Did you notice that she touched a statue of a monkey in (laughs) that?
1: I didn't. I didn't see that. No, I've interpret that that how you
0: want to, but she touched a monkey.
1: (laughs) uh... (laughs) Sorry, it's a a great scene, man. I I I really, um, despite you know, aside from the nudity and stuff, the song is great, and just what's going on in this scene is is fantastic. So,
0: it was a good build up. You know, again. I'm not a musical guy but yes everything really had something to do with you know the singing actually had something to do with the storyline so yeah, definitely. I mean the it, things
1: it, she's saying in her song are very seductive you right. know it's uh it, you know it's she's beckoning him to her mm-hmm. and and trying to get him to come to her room and uh and he doesn't and she actually says the next day she comes to to give him breakfast or something like that. And she's like, well, I thought you would have visited me last night. And he's like, uh, well, I'm engaged to be married. You know, <laughs> I like, you know, and she's like, well, so what? So <laughs> come on by. <laughs> so, right.
0: uh, this is where like like after this. This is where I got this vibe. <laughs> well, pretty blatantly that Midsummer took a lot from this this next couple of scenes. I mean, the, the idea that it's daytime beautiful uh was that was that pole that the kids were dancing around and they had that um uh the the ribbons wrapped around them and they were singing that song about you're born you live you create another life you die you become a tree Mm -hmm. you know it's like like that i'm like midsummer
1: yeah definitely i mean midsummer obviously took (laughs) is very inspired from this film um and I think Midsummer probably improves. I think Midsummer is probably a better movie than this. But uh, it, it definitely takes its inspiration from this. A lot movie. of it absolutely it's it's uh it's a pegging cult there it's, are so many similarities between even the even the colors and stuff in in midsummer little more vibrant similar. and and just because it was it was 1973 oh, yeah and, and that's happen. what I'm talking about like the film stock is is uh but the the colors and the uh you know the 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 type of buildings and things like that and the you know yeah it's it's very much like this movie right. So. I, I thought so. So uh, he actually
0: this is where people are actually telling him that that Rowan is a member here and the truth starts coming out about her. Well, e- yeah, because the, he,
1: he looks at the registry. Right. There's the main pole scene where the, that dance goes in and They're singing that song about life and death and creating right. life and. And then he goes and sees that, uh, you know, he peeks in the window, which is kind of odd, but a little creepy, uh, actually. (laughs) He was (laughs) just kind of like looking in in at the girls studying. So the boys are outside on the maypole and the the girls are inside uh, learning about like the symbolism behind the maypole and they're they're that it's a foul you know they say phallic symbol that's what this is and you see that you throughout know? the movie and, and he's he's upset by that that they're being taught these things and goes in and uh, kind of confronts the uh the teacher about it the the head mistress or whoever she is mm-hmm. um goes and confronts her about it and then he he mentions that he's seen all of this uh indecency going on on the island that he's definitely going to report it mm-hmm. you know and uh <laughs> um, and he does he questions the entire class about rowan and there's an and empty
0: desk right now right, right there i see i don't understand and maybe they said something about it but they eventually admit because he sees the registry that that rowan morrison was there or in that class mm-hmm. and in the desk was a beetle that was on a string tied to a screw just going in circles and circles and circles and talking about,
1: you know, the beetle does this. Right. It'll do this until it dies or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't get the symbolism there either. I don't know if that, like, girl that was next to it just did that or if it had something to do with Rowan. I don't know. I can't explain that one to you. No, it was tough. I, it was just kind of like, oh, But okay. I think Rowan's desk is there because she's only recently been taken away. Right. You know, uh, and, and, you know, it showed marks in the book from her from that school year. So yep, it's not exactly like she right. disappeared from being the. Uh, I thought initially, like the first, maybe first time I watched this, I thought maybe she uh, had been you know, oft during the harvest festival. And that's just what they did with those people. Cause the picture is missing of, uh, Oh yeah. Cause she was like the may. Yeah. When <laughs> the <laughs> the they're in the tavern, there's a, there's a, a, wall full of pictures of the harvest queen. Mm-hmm. And uh, another thing that's kind of like midsummer cause there's a harvest queen. Uh, but that, queen. the one from 1972 is missing yeah. when, when Rowan would have been the harvest queen. Mm-hmm. So but obviously, she's only recently missing if if you th- you know if you've seen this movie before you you know that because uh she's got marks in the book her desk is still there and stuff, and she's just uh they've there's a reason they've sent her someplace else,
0: yeah, and then the, the, he goes to the doctor and he says, "Hey, I need to exhume." Because he finds out that she had died, and he needs to exhume her body. Mm -hmm. But you need to ask the lordship. Did you notice that that, the girl that was sitting in the chair had a frog in her mouth?
1: Yeah. (laughs) He took it out and then put a gumball in her mouth. Right. So what they're doing there is like some sort of uh, magic to uh, get rid of her sore throat. Oh, I that. So they put the toad in her mouth to land the the frog was supposed to take the sore soreness out of her throat or river. And that's why he was croaking. That's mm-hmm. what she said. Do you remember? Yep. She was like, she was like, yeah, now the fro- frog has your sore throat. And oh. he, he goes, ribbit, ribbit or whatever. She's like, do you hear him croaking? <laughs> you know? So I, I, I don't know um, if there's any science behind that or anything. It's just like a, uh, a home some, remedy. I was that, throat. you know, there's obviously did some research in this thing. And, the, and these are things that people actually did mm-hmm. Um and I'm I don't know if there's any science behind that or if it's just something to make kids feel better about uh, that they had they had done. Yes. So I don't, I don't know. But she did get a gumball or whatever, like a, some sort of candy. Yep. Um, but yeah, he has to go meet Lord Summer Lord Summer gives him kind of a story of, uh, you know, his grandfather and how he brought back the old gods. Lord Summer lives in a pretty uh, sweet place. Yeah, and he does. Like you uh, walk around, it's like a fortress. Yeah, man. it's kind of a, a, a pretty huge palace type. Structure that and it's got in. these
0: Florida palm trees in it, it does. in Scotland. I was like, wow, this is tropical because they're eating fruit and yeah, walking through this luscious garden. And so that's
1: what he says. He, he tells him that his grandfather had come up with some kind of strange grandfather was he a biologist or a botanist or something like, something like that? I don't remember anyway. He came up with new strains of fruit that would grow on this island, and that's uh, you know, Summer Isle is obviously famous for its apples, um, mm. because he. How he says that at one point, Neil, how he says that too at one point, uh, he's he's like, could I have an apple? And they're like, oh, no, we don't have any. He's like, well, that's weird because you're known for your apples. And they're like, well, we exported them all already. Mm. Um, But, uh, you know, he he talks about how his grandfather, the first time, like the harvest didn't go well or whatever. And then he brought back the old gods. and, And it's been good ever since. So. Okay. Anyway, he gets he gets permission to exhume Rowan's body. Summer Isle isn't really concerned about it at all. He's, yeah. Like, he's like, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Ahead, I told you it. at the
0: beginning. Yeah, you go ahead and do yeah, that.
1: Yeah, go ahead and do that. So he does that, and, and there's a rabbit inside.
0: There's a rabbit kind of like decaying. Yeah. Um, he takes it back over to Summer Isle's house, throws it on the ground. Uh, they're singing some song. Um, and then it's... The May Day celebration. That's right. <laughs> Here we go. So these. OK, so these 40 minutes mas- in. Now we're getting to yeah. the end.
1: Yeah. So these animal masks are a little bit. And, and I think there's something like that in Midsummer as well. Right. Uh, animal masks. Yes. Were a little. Uh, yes. During that you know, one sex scene, too, especially. Yeah. yeah. And he, he ends up on a boat or whatever. Um and then, uh, goes back to, uh, he's kind of upset about all this stuff, goes back to his room and he tells him he's going to take a nap. Mm-hmm. And you hear, um, what's Brick Bricklin's character's name? Willow. Willow. You hear Willow in the, in the hallway saying, you know, I, I don't know if we should use the hand of glory on him. He could sleep for days. Mm -hmm. So what the hand of glory is, is a uh, (laughs) it's a it's the hand uh, a hand that has been chopped off of a uh, criminal. Usually someone who has been hanged Okay. and they pickle it and uh, they uh, then make wax out of the fat of the criminal. And the uh, hand is uh, holds this uh, candle, holds these candles that uh, they burn and it's supposed to paralyze anybody who's uh, within the uh, range of the hand. I okay. guess. It was anybody who's in that building. It's like a. Uh, it's like an ancient magic thing that, that really exists called the hand of glory. And it's uh, um, there's like an actually they actually found one. There's like an actual specimen of this in a museum in, in England. Wow. (laughs) And I don't know if it ever worked, but, um, you know, there was a couple different uses for it. Uh, Like uh, the one thing was that it did this. It it, like paralyzed everybody in the house that that used except for the user. Okay, Uh, So thieves were said to have used these. Uh, But but it's this hand and you see like all five of the fingers are burning like a like a candle. Mm -hmm. And as long as this burns, he's supposed to be out, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, and they want to put him out. They want to put him out, I guess, for for this May Day celebration. Yep. And uh, he ends up (laughs) he ends up knocking over the hand of glory, Mm -hmm. putting it out. And then uh, there's this whole thing about Punch and uh, like uh, Punch and you know Punch and Judy that that thing that uh, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. And there's they explain that there's kind of this legend about uh, Punch is supposed to be the king for the day or whatever, and then he gets uh, sacrificed or whatever. Yep. Well, he happens upon the person putting on the Punch costume mm-hmm. and knocks him out. <laughs> he does knock him out, <laughs> and then puts it on. And the Punch costume is a little bit creepy. It is creepy. It's like
0: a, it's like a. You know, just a almost faceless kind of full gesture type jester type mm-hmm. thing. Um, so he's got a mask on, so nobody knows who it is. Yeah, and I think they do. I think, kind do. Of, kind I, think of. I think they have an idea who it yeah. is. <laughs> so they're they're doing this parade thing. Uh, God, man, Christopher Lee is so good in this movie. I really. Uh, you know, he's kind of dressed in drag. He's got like a big cloak and he's got a wig on and he's leading the parade and everybody's dancing and have a merry old time. And then they set this uh, they go to this sacred uh, rock formation, like a round rock formation. They put all the swords together to form a pentagram mm-hmm. and everybody has to go underneath it. And if you're the one you are going to get decapitated or beheaded, right. um, you know, punch or uh, um, howie. Goes under there, nothing happens to him. The next person that comes in, bam, head comes off, but it's actually just a joke. It's a fake. You know, because right. the head, wa- it's your mask that it, it was part of the come, costume.
1: Right. right. Part of the costume gets cut off, right? Yeah. So what he sees, Rowan, right? Well, yeah. They go to they go to this area where that's kind of like a sacrif looks like kind of like a sacrificial area or whatever. And yeah, he sees Rowan up on this hill and then breaks his uh, his cover. Yeah. So he takes rushes up there to see her, and she uh, she's like, "You got to help me. That you know what they're going to do," and leads him back into this cave, and uh, comes up through the ground. Comes up through the ground, and they're all waiting for him. So (laughs) this has been kind of a ruse. Now. Um you know they've been trying to get him to sleep during this and not be a part of this and did he just unwittingly become the sacrifice or what what Well no he actually cuz uh uh Isle actually
0: says, you know, we sent that letter. You yeah. really you thought you, you thought she was going to be it? No, we actually set this up for you. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess the continuity of why he would knock um the innkeeper
1: out and take the costume. But you know, he had, make, he had to do that to fulfill their prophecy or whatever. Right. Because he had to come here of his free will and right. he had to do all this of his free will. Like they tried to put him out during this and would they just not, would they have sacrificed somebody else at that point or, or what? No,
0: I mean, I, I see, I don't know. I never really thought about it because to me it went really fast pace of, you know,
1: no, no, you were supposed to be it. They strip them down and put a gown on them. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, obviously the prophecy is fulfilled, right? Because he has to fill fulfill certain certain um, I don't know a, aspects of the prophecy. So he's got to be a virgin, virgin, which he is uh-huh. because he's a you know puritan, right? So and he hasn't been married yet, right? So he fulfills that. He's got to have come here of his own free will, yes. And he's got to I, I forget what the other ones are, but he fulfills all these. I think. After he does that, like he gets himself into this situation Mm -hmm. uh, where I think, you know, they they were trying to put him out during it or they told him not to be a part of the May Day uh, celebration. Right. Mm -hmm. And if he had followed their advice, he wouldn't have ended up in this situation. Right. I never I never questioned that. I mean, mean, it's a fantastic question.
0: Yeah. I have no answer for it. I I don't know. I mean, I think I think. You know, the, the, they answer the question of why he was the actual sacrifice and not Rowan. Um, you know, he tries to convince everybody once he realizes what's going to happen is like, you, this is going to be on you. You guys are going to feel guilty about this the whole time. And, you know, Christopher Lee's like, nope. This is going to work. Well, how do you know? What if it what if it doesn't come back and then it's going to come back on you? It's like, well, it's going to work. Right. So all these, you know, I love that conversation between them because it was like, obviously he's fighting for his life, literally fighting for his life, saying you guys are wrong. This is not going to work. You can't grow fruit on this island. It's just nothing but rock and and dirt. You know, there's no topsoil here. It's not going to work for you. It is going to work. You know, so, you know, eventually Christopher Lee gets his way. He's put in this garb and he's taken to this like freaking uh, it, talk about like the most iconic scene that the poster of this, you know, it's it's intimidating.
1: This wicker man that they sure it built. is. Yeah. The, the wicker man itself is is really a great set piece.
0: It is. And it's got other animals in it. it's it got uh-huh. goats and cows and other stuff. And right in the middle where the heart is supposed to be is you've got this pure guy that is going to be sacrificed. That's going to save the world. Um, you know, he just, he does everything. He, and this is where Edward Woodward was the best because he just, you know, he, he curses them. He says, you know, God's going to smite thee and all this other kind of stuff. And when he realizes that they're like, okay, lights it on fire he asks for forgiveness and it's just you know belts out a scream and you see the sun going down well
1: yeah yeah <laughs> I mean they're singing this uh chant or whatever this uh loudly sing cuckoo song <laughs> right, right and he's singing a hymn and again it's kind of a clash between the two religions right and uh you know the the obviously I, I don't know if it says something that his God doesn't save him here you know, I, I don't know if that's. I can be interpreted you know, that way for, for sure, or or maybe it's that you know, he, it's whatever he he's he's going to die and he's he's going to you know realize his afterlife or whatever. That's the the paradise he that ex- he's. He accepts his fate. yeah. Maybe I, I I don't know what. Yeah, I think you could look at it both ways. Uh, there's a great shot, I think, of the Wicker Man head collapsing in the flames All in the, the sunset. Walls. Oh yeah. yeah. And there's a sunset. The movie ends. The credits roll. Yep, that's it. <laughs> it's it. No, no post credit
0: scene or anything. It's just you see the head fall, and right. it's kind of like zooming in on the sun as that as that happens. You know, beautiful sunset, good aesthetic. Well, I think that's it. Uh, okay, Andy, this is one of your favorite movies, The Wicker Man from 1973. What are you going to give it?
1: Well, I first of all I'll say this is a classic mm-hmm. without a doubt. This is a classic, good, bad, or a classic. This is a classic for yep. sure. Uh, and I give this uh four and a half stars. It's not quite a perfect movie, uh, for me. I think there's some unanswered questions in it mm-hmm. and uh, some things that just don't really make sense. Um, and uh, Uh, otherwise I think the story is great. The acting is great. The music is incredible Mm -hmm. and, and the way it's integrated into the film. Uh, there's very few problems with it, but, um, I think there's some things that just keep it from being a perfect movie. Uh, but it's definitely a classic.
0: We were on uh, two, two different ends last week. Uh, I'll agree with you. This is, a, this is a classic. You have to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. It's on Netflix for free. Uh, I think it's on Hulu or it, it's on other streaming services. But The Wicker Man from 1973, so good. Uh, Christopher Lee kills it in this movie. We talked a little bit before this. is He did this movie completely for free. He didn't get paid for this movie. And that performance was perfect. You, you talk about acting. That was perfect. Um, Edward Woodward did fantastic Brett whatever last name was everybody in this movie had an integral part of the movie the music was fine you know again I'm not a big fan of it but it actually made sense to the story uh, is this a I, perfect movie? I don't no. think it's something I
1: jam in my car, no, but no. I think it's perfect for the movie. Oh, no,
0: absolutely it is. It, absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree with that 100%. Is it a perfect movie overall? No. It is a you going to hear me
1: bumping around loudly saying cuckoo <laughs> in my car, you know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the film, have
0: you any
1: wool? Yeah, you know, yeah.
0: I'm with you. It's a 4.5 for me, and it is an absolute classic movie. Definitely. There you go. We're on the same page this week. Coming up next week, very interesting movie. I'm excited to check this one out. I'm not going to look. I'm going to suggest to you do the same. Do not look anything into this movie called One Cut of the Dead off a shutter. Um, It is a Japanese film. It showed in one theater in Japan, made like 100 times its budget, very low budget. Um,
1: $1.4 million in one theater, right? Huh? I think it made $1.4 million showing in one theater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Just for a year or two years or something. So I like guess that. I have read some things about it. Sorry. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> all right. Just knowing that, that's
0: fine. Okay. Um, Veronica it will be August 21st. Return of the Living Dead, uh, August 28th. And we're going to kick off a new theme. September. We're doing the 1980s Forgotten Slasher Treasure Chest. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I love are. that
1: name you came up with. You <laughs> some good, good slasher flicks from the 80s that you don't really think about that often. Yeah, and Andy picked this one, Shocker. Shocker, man. Remember that one? <laughs> from 19? Not the hand symbol, but the movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not the hand symbol. <laughs> it's not the hand symbol, but uh, yeah. Anyway. All right, everybody. Thank you
0: so much for listening to episode number 72 of the Horror For You podcast. Make sure you have a great weekend. Rate and review us Uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Follow us on any of your social medias, uh, and we will talk to you next week.